You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors, the PR firm that specializes in music, technology, music innovation, all sorts of stuff in the music industry. Hey, when we launched the Music Tectonics Conference and Podcast, one thing that surprised me was that the musical instrument community, physical and virtual, quickly became huge supporters. It shouldn't have been a surprise, but it was the marking point of a convergence between the developers and manufacturers of music making tools and the traditional record industry and everything in between. I already was going to conferences like South by Southwest, which we are just back from a few weeks ago, and Music Biz, which we'll be attending in Nashville in May. And by the way, please stay tuned to future episodes of Music Tectonics to find out about the UMG Startup Bootcamp happening there. That's going to be super cool. And, and I started going to the NAM show, which is a cacophony of musicians demoing the latest gear from all the instrument manufacturers, plus demos of software, apps, and more. We'll be there today at Media Day and throughout the week at NAM. And I love this intersection between gear and the record industry. Music tectonics is where people are making tools for making music, selling those tools and instruments, where people are making music and where people are recording that music and then marketing that music to super fans and beyond and so much more. Last week, we had Laura Davidson from Shure Microphones on, and today we widen out even further by bringing on Heather Farr Edwards, Brand and Communications Director at Reverb, the marketplace where buyers and sellers of music gear find each other and help each other fulfill their dreams. Welcome to Music Tectonics, Heather. Thank you. What a, what a great intro. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so great to have you. We've we've never really had a conversation. And some one of the things I love about this podcast is sometimes the first real deep, fun conversation I have with someone is on record for our whole network. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Reverb has such an interesting window into what is going on in the gear market, which is why I'm excited to have you. You're one of the top sellers of music gear. You work with well-known artists to help them sell their collections of instruments, and you produce a lot of content to help musicians figure out what equipment to choose and how to use it. Obviously, it's not just well-known artists. It's everyone that's playing music or has gear they want to exchange or sell. What's the current pulse of the music gear market in 2023 as we head into NAM? Yeah, so, um, you know, every year I take a look at kind of the landscape and what's going on in the market. And I think well, the good news is, people are still making music. <laughs> and I think if we can, you know, start from there uh, each year, we're in a, a good spot. Um, I think, you know, even as the macroeconomic situation changes, um, which it, you know, does and has frequently over the last couple of years um, at, a, at a breakneck pace in the last three or four years, um, people people continue to play. But really what changes from year to year is more so um, the type of gear that they use to make that music. So I think um, I would boil down kind of what's happening in the industry right now really into two main things. So one, uh, prices of music gear across the industry are generally coming down. So we're not quite where we were pre-pandemic, um, but we're getting there. And a big part of that is, you know, there was a huge demand for instruments during the pandemic. Uh, which contributed to inventory shortages, and now that supply is starting to starting to catch up. Um, related and second, uh, people are really feeling the impact of inflation and the cost of living. 
Um, so again, that doesn't mean people aren't playing or aren't looking for gear. It just means that uh, they're looking for deals or they're looking for a good value. And so, um, you know, one thing we're really focused on at Reverb right now is helping buyers find the gear that's on the site that fits within their budget, whatever that looks like. Um, and then as a marketplace, on the flip side of that, finding new ways to help sellers get their deals in front of those buyers. So um, luckily for musicians on Reverb, there's lots of ways to find affordable gear. Um, we have a watch list feature where you can essentially just save the gear that you're looking for and get notified specifically if it drops in price. Um, you can make offers and negotiate, which is just kind of a normal part of buying and selling music gear. Um, you can buy used gear or B-stock gear, which are just kind of everyday ways to get a good deal. Um, and then, you know, lots of people sell gear that they're not using and then immediately turn around and turn that into um, another purchase. So uh, for us right now, affordability is really top of mind. It's top of mind for a lot of players right now. Um, but luckily, there's lots of ways to keep making music without spending too much money. Yeah, that's so so interesting. I mean, every time I, I think about Reverb or talk to somebody at Reverb, I, I get into this world of understanding kind of how to optimize e-commerce and this exchange. And and one of the things I love about Reverb is I, f I think, you know, and I've bought stuff from Reverb, it feels a little bit like you're connecting people to each other. Like, even though it's totally a, a, a very above board, like, purchase, you know, like just like you do at any other store or whatever, it feels a little bit more personal somehow. I don't know why. And it's so interesting to hear you talk about some of those tools that help you like the watch lists. And, and I know Reverb's big on like analytics for the folks that are selling stuff as well to help them optimize sales too. It's just super interesting how technology can, can be used that way. And I appreciate you sort of like giving us some big picture, like post pandemic, there was this explosion and the impact that it had on supply and demand and, um, and, and, and even just sort of that contextual comment, like we're hoping that prices continue to get reasonable again because of, I think, those shortages of things. Um, I mean, I don't know, without revealing anything too propri proprietary, is there a way to kind of express where the gear market is in this year to, leading into 2023 in terms of sales? Yeah. So, I mean, again, the good news is that People are making music, so they are buying uh, music gear. And, um, you know, so the shifts around the type of gear that they're buying more so aligns to kind of where people are at. So um, to maybe contextualize that a little bit further, you know, take the pandemic uh, as an example. So if you were to take a look at what was happening on Reverb during, say, like the last couple of months of 2020, um, you would see that searches for recording gear uh, were up significantly. Um, makes sense, right? You know, people weren't going into the studio. Uh, they were recording at home. They were, you know, we all saw those virtual collaborations with all of the squares of heads like the Brady Bunch. Uh, those all required a lot of gear to make those happen. Um, at the same time, uh, we saw an increase in searches for um, just generally kind of gear that lends itself to playing um, in. Uh, a cramped living space, like a small flat in London, uh, where I live. Uh, so uh, acoustic instruments, 
small keyboards, um, all of those, you know, we were seeing increases uh, in searches at the time. Um, and also saw some signals that led us to believe that people were, you know, picking up instruments maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time. Um, we saw a lot of new buyers and they were all kind of purchasing, um, you know, things that, that we could see beginners using, you know, low barrier to entry, acoustic guitars, ukuleles, beginner synthesizers. Fast forward to today, concerts are back, which uh, is great news. School music programs are um, back into full swing. So I think some of those categories that the industry as a whole saw dipping during the pandemic are now starting to level back out. Things like live audio, um, certainly things like band and orchestra gear. Um, and as far as reverb specifically, you know, I can kind of broadly say that um, our sellers have saw sort of consistent demand um, throughout that time, like leading up all the way through to, um, uh, you know, where we are right now. So um, again, you know, musicians are continuing to play, but we have seen um, that shift in finding gear that right now fits within their budget, whether that means they're you know, maybe opting for a used piece of gear rather than a new piece of gear or, um, you know, deciding to buy a pedal instead of a brand new guitar, because that's a little bit more of an affordable way to uh, to change up your sound. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're we're continuing to see uh, consistent demand. I think the shifts just kind of follow what's happening in the world right now. That's pretty cool. So it's almost like you saw this this burst of interest in um, either acquiring gear to use at home because they couldn't go out or a lot of new instruments or new new players like picking up the ukulele for the first time. But what you're seeing now, it sounds like if I've got this right, is that people are now like buying the next piece of gear to go with whatever it was or the next several. I mean, I know you probably have some gearheads that are ridiculous. You, it's probably really fun for your data analytics folks <laughs> to be like, Check out the top hundred buyers. They're insane. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know? it is a um, it is an addictive uh, hobby or lifestyle um, in terms of you know, like we used to get. Uh, I used to have people asking all the time, you know, like, are you um, don't do you hate music making apps and like do you hate people making music on their phone? And I'm like, no, because someone who's making music on their phone is then going to, you know, maybe they stop and that's fine. Tons of, you know, there are tons of beginners who stop and don't continue. But for every person that doesn't continue, you know, they're on their phone and then they're like, oh, maybe I'll just try, you know, uh, something on my computer. And then maybe I'll buy just like an audio interface. And like, before you know it, they've got, you know, a, <laughs> a desk full of full of gear. So um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, sort of a, uh, a one thing leads to the other situation. Super fun. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'd like to ask you about maybe a few products that are now starting to grow in popularity. We'll be right back. Shaylee here. Are you ready for the Music Tectonics Conference ticket drop? A limited number of super early bird badges go on sale April 24th, 2023. We're organizing three amazing days in Santa Monica, California. October 24th to 26th. Your badge gets you into high energy panels, insightful keynotes, a startup pitch competition, innovative exhibitors, networking, and more. Don't miss out on the best price for the best music tech event of the year. 
Sign up to get notified when super early bird batches go live at musictectonics.com slash conference. Now back to the show. All right, we are back uh, with Heather Farr Edwards from Reverb. Hey, Heather, I wanted to ask you, what are maybe two or three products that have pop that have like gained in popularity over the past few months? Why do you think they've become popular? And maybe you can tell us what's interesting about each of those instruments. Yeah, sure. So um, I think I can talk through maybe some kind of broader trends and then give you some examples that fit uh, within there. So um, keyboards and synthesizers in general super popular on reverb, um, especially over the past uh, couple of years. And I think taking a look at some of the, you know, consistent top seller synths on reverb, a theme is definitely uh, portability, approachability, uh, and affordability. So um, a few examples, the Teenage Engineering OP1, consistent bestseller, super powerful, tons of features, lots of sounds, all packed into this, you know, portable device. And I think a big part of its appeal is the design is super approachable, great for beginners, but experienced players, uh, you know, uh, love it as well. Um, Similar uh, to that is the Korg Micro Korg, compact, easy to program. Um, So, you know, pretty approachable, uh, regardless of what level you're at. And affordable too. And I mean, I think it's um, interesting if you take a look at the top 10 bestsellers from the last like 90 days or so um, on Reverb, all but two of those are uh, synths that are $500 or less. So definitely in a, in a super approachable uh, range. Um, another trend, uh, which we were just kind of talking about is uh, home recording. And I think that that is, uh, you know, even now that we're out of the pandemic, I think that is uh you know, here to stay. So during the pandemic, we saw, um, you know, you mentioned it was uh, our data analytics team, you know, I think that they really, (laughs) I think they really do love their jobs, because it is uh, certainly interesting to connect those dots. So we noticed during the pandemic that guitarists and drummers, um, so people who have purchased guitar related or drum related gear were purchasing for the first time, mics, audio interfaces, other recording equipment. Um, so, you know, we can infer that they were recording at home either out of necessity, they couldn't go into the studio or um, experimenting with home recording because they're like, well, I have all of this time on my hand. So, you know, what else, uh, what else am I going to do? Um, either way, though, I think we'll continue to see this trend um, just because, you know, these players have now experienced how easy it is, how approachable it is, how relatively affordable it is. So um, some consistent bestsellers um, kind of within that trend are the Focusrite Scarlett 2i2 uh, interface, as well as the Shure SM67 mic, both just, you know, well known for their versatility. Um, And then the last thing uh, I would bring up, which I, I think maybe is maybe a little bit more anecdotal, um, is uh, artist signature gear, uh, which is just kind of consistently popular. So, you know, everyone kind of has players that they look up to and buying an artist signature gear can, um, you know, it it can either help you sound like that artist or not, um, you know, or at the very least, it gives you an option to buy a piece of gear um, that has some unique specs. So I'll give you two examples that are kind of on the two different ends of that spectrum. So on the one side, you have 
um, Jay Maskis just released um, the Electro Harmonics uh, Ram's Head Big Muff Pie, which is an example, I would say, of a pedal that really does get you close to that Dinosaur Junior sound. Um, now on the other side of that, you have something like the Double Down, which was designed by uh, Third Man Hardware and MXR. And um, the pedal isn't, you know, meant to give you the quote unquote Jack White sound, but rather it was something um, that was created to kind of solve a problem that Jack White himself had. And so his kind of, you know, description of that pedal is that he wants you know, people to be able to use it to sound like themselves rather than to sound like him. So, I mean, either way, you know, a really unique way, I think, to be kind of, uh, you know, close to your artists, either uh, in sound or like in solidarity. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's also like the ultimate artist merch, right? Oh, like absolutely. you could buy a t-shirt or you could buy something that'll help you play along or make that sound or even just evolve and be creative from there, but feel like you're a part of their artist store. I love those examples. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, audience out there, if you're listening, check out this. Heather Farr Edwards is killing it here, telling us like context we've never heard on the podcast. You're probably over there washing the dishes and now you're clapping your hands. This is an amazing conversation. Hey, I've always been curious about how new technology leads to new sounds, genres, scenes, and vice versa. What are some emerging genres that are either created as a result of specific gear or required a different approach to using gear? I mean, I know this is kind of a, you're, you're ahead of Brandon communications there. It might be a crazy question to ask, but I love these insights. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I I love this question, um, and man, there's so many there's so many pathways we can, we could go down with this. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I think you know to trace a pretty large subsection of popular music and kind of how it has evolved over time. You really don't need to look any farther than the effects pedal. Um, so if you consider, um, you know, like the the signature riff on Rolling Stones, I can't get no satisfaction or uh, the, you know, the wah sound that was made popular by Jimi Hendrix or um, all of the sounds from the classic rock era, uh, funk records from the 1970s, Van Halen record. I mean, I'm naming, you know, a multitude of, yeah, of kind of different years. sounds here. Britpop, grunge, noise rock, shoegaze is literally a genre that is named because of the play <laughs> the players looking down at their feet, you know, during the concerts. And the underlying um, sort of story here, although they're all different, is is the effects pedals that help them make those sounds. And I think for you know an artist who is in a creative rut or um, like we were talking about before, doesn't really have a lot of money to change up their sound. An effects pedal offers this huge world of opportunity in terms of, of changing up that sound. And, um, you know, I, I will say if you are uh, kind of interested in these types of storylines, I have to, uh, I have to recommend uh, the pedal movie. If you haven't checked it out, um, mm. it is a, uh, feature-length documentary that Reverb created um, a couple of years ago that tells sort of this exact uh, story of effects and so how cool. they shaped music. It's it is I mean it's fascinating. Obviously the the ties to popular music and kind of how that came about is sort of what draws you in. But then I think once you get into the story, you realize it it also created this whole um, sort of community of small businesses and and players who were creating these tools that then their heroes went on to use and make these, um, you know, sort of um, iconic sounds. So 
Um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely check it out. Reverb.com slash the pedal movie. Uh, if, if that's interesting, it's, it's, a it's a long one, but I mean, it's a, it's a big story. So Sounds, I mean, it's right in line with what I'm, what I'm curious about. So I love that reference. Go watch the movie. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so Reverb's a two-sided marketplace. You have your sellers and your buyers. Who are some of the most interesting sellers at Reverb and why are they interesting? Yeah. So, um, you know, overall on the site, um, we have a huge range of sellers. So the top music gear retailers in the world, um, local and small businesses, brands, small gear builders, um, and then you have, you know, individuals. So that could range from you or I, or probably more uh, excitingly, <laughs> some of the bigger uh, musical acts in the world. And um, so, you know, those, those shops are always, uh, are always fun to, to work on and promote. So a couple of recent, uh, examples, Nancy Wilson of heart recently sold just a ton of rare vintage prototype guitars that she's played, you know, all over the world. Um, Modest Mouse recently sold a huge range of gear from basically all of their studio albums and tours. Um, and in January, uh, Polo and Pan launched a shop. And, you know, I think especially for artists like Polo and Pan, who are really known for experimenting and kind of changing up their sound frequently, um, opening up a reverb shop, um, you know, lets them get some of the gear that they're no longer using um out into the world to fans or people who are actually going to be um putting it to good use and you know i think you mentioned this uh earlier but like what better way to get closer to one of your favorite artists than to literally own um you know such a iconic piece of their story yeah that's super cool huh do you ever get to hear about like an artist that's like doing a, a big sale because they're going to like work on an album and they, they're kind of like building up funds to, to pay for the next thing or, or you don't really get to hear that kind of data. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we probably assume, uh, most folks who are, uh, you know, who are selling are doing so, so that they can then take that money and turn it into, you know, new gear. Um, but I, I think more often than not sort of the, the story that we hear from artists is like, hey, you know, this is, I loved this when I was using it. I got a lot of amazing songs out of it. Now it's sitting in the corner of my studio. It's sitting in the corner of my storage, collecting dust. And I just want to give it to somebody who's going to play it. So um, and in that, in those instances, I mean, they're often not, you know, if you look at the prices of this gear, you would expect that the prices are you know, 20, 40% higher than what they would be. But most artists are selling these for market value because they truly just, you know, these were very important tools to them. And now they want to give it to somebody else who's going to, you know, take it and, and turn it into their own magic. Nice. What, what about buyers? Are there some interesting story on that buyer side? Well, we definitely, uh, we definitely have some interesting stories uh on the buyer side i can't get into too many specifics <laughs> there's i think a lot of a lot of people who are buying on reverb maybe have uh you know friends or family that they don't want to know how much they're spending <laughs> on the site um but i'll tell you uh, i'll tell you one of my favorite uh buyer stories um so um there's a session drummer who was based out in la and Ever since he was, you know, nine years old, he's loved two things, and that is drumming 
and the Smashing Pumpkins. Um, and a few years back, he was online researching, you know, how to get the drum sound from the Smashing Pumpkins album, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Um, he's researching and he comes across the reverb shop of the drummer, Jimmy Chamberlain, who is selling that exact drum kit that he used to make that album. I mean, can you imagine wow. you're on there to get like some tips? And then you end up with the drum kit uh, in your cart. <laughs> so he buys oh it. And two weeks later, kit arrives. Jimmy had sent along his phone number. They exchanged texts. Uh, you know, oh, they've kept in touch. Uh, he's been to, you know, a couple of shows as their guest. Um, and, you know, you were talking earlier just about, you know, the, the personal nature of what's getting bought and sold. I mean, we have so many of these stories where um and so, you know sometimes it's it's uh, a well-known artist and sometimes it's someone who's just you know letting the other person know what the what the guitar what the synthesizer meant to them it, it is a very personal um personal exchange and you know when we sell uh this gear from well-known players of course it's a it's fun and it's a, a great story but i love to think about the person on the other end who like has just acquired this amazing you know connection piece to one of their heroes as somebody who uh have has done this has bought some instruments now i haven't connected with an artist that i'm in love with through through the instrument you know through the instrument exchange but just like the magic of knowing you're about to unleash some creativity but then to add in this direct connection again like i said at the beginning of the podcast reverb feels like it's a personal connection and you you kind of like you kind of want to know a little bit about the person who just sold it to you regardless of whether they're famous or not because you're sort of like well a you're obviously and one of the things i love about reverb is how you know how there's scoring and 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 details about the quality of what you're getting um and some you know some i don't know if it's guarantees but really you know through the rating system you can tell kind of what you're getting into but then you wonder like if it's a well-played instrument you're like wow i wonder what all has been done you know <laughs> like how, how does the legacy continue in your hands mm -hmm. uh, which is super interesting so let's let's widen out again what's one thing that people don't often realize about reverb i mean a lot of people they don't have a lot of the context we're talking about today um, um, they're just like, you know, it's the best place for them to find this gear or, you know, to, to find out more information about gear and so, so forth. Are there any lesser known but important facts you want to share with our uh, listeners? Yeah, um, I love this question. Um, and, you know, I think that most people probably um, know or realize or assume that, you know, as a company, uh, we have a lot of musicians on staff. I mean, you know, we sell music gear, so it makes sense, right, that we would have uh, some musicians working at Reverb. But I think what a lot of people maybe don't realize is that we're equally a tech company. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of smart engineers, developers, product designers that put a lot of hard work into making it easy to buy and sell on Reverb. Um, marketplaces just in general are super complex. Um, if you consider as an example, just the many variations of any one piece of gear that exists. I mean, any single piece of gear can vary by year, where it was made, the color, the model, the condition it's in. Um, and then you combine that with the fact that each person who's putting this up on the site is an individual. So there's a lot of room for, you know, error there. Um, and, you know, it, 
it could really lead to a disaster from like a search functionality uh, standpoint. Um, but we have a whole team that's, you know, dedicated to making sure that when you list something, it is going to get in front of the person who's looking for it. And it sounds really simple, but there's a lot of complexities in there that make it, uh, you know, really not so simple. Um, and, you know, then you've got features like our uh, our price guide, which takes all the sales data that we have and turns it into kind of useful information so that you can you know, better understand what you're buying or selling. Lots of smart uh, minds behind just making sure that that data um, is correct and that it's a helpful tool. So I think, you know, most people often uh, probably don't realize that it it really takes this kind of perfect mix of music gear industry understanding and tech magic to make Reverb an easy place to buy and sell. And, you know, everything from how we keep the site secure to some of the new features that we build all kind of benefit from this, this mix. That is really interesting. Again, like to hear the context of what's behind that experience of actually being a buyer or a seller is super interesting. It just gets my, my brain going about how amazing uh, a job reverb has done with the user experience. Uh, super fun. Well, Heather, put on your seatbelt because it's time to get sci-fi. <laughs> All right. Most episodes, we ask this question. Help us fast forward five to 10 years from today with your wildest ideas of what we might see in music making. What is the future for music gear? Yeah. So um, I think that the future of music gear will kind of wholly take into consideration the fact that, you know, the boundaries between sort of gear categories and musical identities continues to blur. I mean, we've, you know, alluded to some of this throughout this conversation, but, you know, guitarists are recording music at home. DJs are uh, using drum machines to make beats. Uh, people who learned how to make music on their phones or their computers are sort of rediscovering the guitar in a new way. Um, effects pedals uh, that we talked about earlier are no longer just something that guitarists use. And so I think really what we're, what we're moving towards is um, hybrid instruments and workflows. So companies like Ableton, Native Instruments, and more are creating, you know, products that combine sort of hands-on playing with that computer or software piece. Um, and I know this is supposed to be future looking, but I mean, some of the most successful pedal builders right now, too, are already starting to recognize that, you know, modern musicians are uh, becoming, you know, less and less instrument agnostic. So brands like Chase Bliss, Walrus Audio, EQD, Eventide, Strymon, and Maris are, you know, building pedals that sound just as good paired with a synth or a drum machine or even, you know, a harp as they are um, with the guitar. So uh, I think that, you know, the future of uh, music gear is, is hybrid. I love it. It's like we went to kind of from the recording side, this mashup of genres and styles. And, and now you're talking about this mashup of instruments and gear. And I'm sure, you, I mean, I'd love that you are optimistic and positive about software and apps as an entry point for folks as well. And we'll continue to see some interesting mashups between those things. In fact, at NAMM, uh, at the Triple G booth with Music Tectonics, which is, I believe, booth number 10105, Endless, which is a software app um, uh, 
for making music, this kind of iterative loopy music stuff is bringing their uh, beat machine. It's a full size arcade cabinet that looks like a, an old Pac-Man machine, but it's a beat machine and it's connected to the cloud too. So that whole mashup, not only of genre style gear, this type of in instrumentalist using a different type of gear or mixing up some acoustic instrument with an electric thing um, will continue to evolve, but also this software hardware component as well, where you'll see these new form factors that maybe wouldn't have worked before this cloud-based stuff started to happen. So I, lo I love how you're thinking about it, uh, Heather. You know what, we have to take one more quick break. I've got a really important announcement, but when we come back, one of the things we love to do is expand our network. So we'll be looking for some thought leaders, some instrument companies we should be looking for when we come back. Hey, Greg Stein here, founding partner and CEO of Triple G Ventures. We're thrilled to be teaming up with Music Tectonics to bring the most creative, techie, and musical inventions to the NAMM show in Anaheim. Make our hashtag Innovate at NAMM experience your first stop on the show floor to check out the mind-blowing new tech, tools, and toys from Equate, Synthogy, Mixed, Sonic Mind, InSounds, Black BT, Riffler, Artifon, Mitchell Acoustics, ASI Audio by Sensophonics, Soundbrenner, Endless, and so many more. Don't miss Demos with Dream Theater's own Grammy award-winning keyboardist and multi-instrumentalist Jordan Rudis. Live podcast recordings with Music Tectonics' own Dimitri Visa. A chance to play endless new groundbreaking, beat-making arcade machine and so much more cool stuff. Yup, it's all happening at the Anaheim Convention Center. Hashtag Innovate at NAM is on the map at booth 10105. Search for Triple G in the NAM Show Plus app to check out the schedule of all of our amazing demos and giveaways too. And now, back to the show. All right, we're back. And Heather, like I said, we always like to expand our network at Music Tectonics and help listeners find each other. Let's start with companies. What are two to three instrument manufacturers that our listeners should get on their radar and check out? Um, yeah, so I will, um, maybe I'll do you one better here, because uh, I don't think I could pick just two or three. Um, we, right. uh, we recently launched a, a campaign um, called Unmanned Mission, where we partnered with um, a band out of Chicago called Neptune's Core uh, to perform using exclusively instruments and gear that were built by women. Um, so they used... Wow. Uh, you know, an amp built by Third Power Amps, effects by Heather Brown Electronicals, um, a, a tuna tone guitar. I, literally every piece of this setup was from a so cool. uh, woman builder. So um, I would definitely encourage uh, listeners to to check out the campaign. We have, you know, linked at the bottom information for all of the builders. It's It's, you know, over over a dozen um and you know add them add them to your you know add them to your watch list love it awesome so what about thought leaders um are there any particular people in the music instrument space that our listeners should be uh looking for their podcast interviews their panels or their writing or, or just their social following yeah i mean i think if you are you know really interested in digging deep into what's going on in the musical instrument industry, the uh, sort of definitive source for that is uh, the music trades. It's run by um, Brian and Paul Majeski, whose family 
have been in this industry and run the music trades for now three generations. So they are, uh, they put out quarterly reports on um, what's going on in the industry at large, and they run a ton of surveys where they're speaking with you know, the brands and the the manufacturers themselves. Um, beyond that, you know, I, uh, I think my, my team would be upset with me if I didn't, <laughs> if I didn't plug our own uh, editorial team. So, you know, the news section of Reverb is just constantly updated with the latest releases and deep dives into gear history. And a lot of times just, you know, cool things that we find uh, on the site. Um, and then finally, there is a podcast called uh, Revoicing the Future, which is run by the women of NAM, um, and that features uh, interviews with female leaders talking about just their experience in the musical instrument industry. So I think that is uh, one to definitely check out as well. Those are great. Nobody's ever mentioned those. So I love this. I love this process of having uh, thought leaders like you on the podcast and then like kind of uh, paying it forward with shouting out other folks. Music Trades looks like it's musictrades.com. I think I've got that correct. Super happy to have that shout out as well as the the uh, the other ones you mentioned there are super cool and of course the reverb editorial team is awesome um, I think everyone everyone who who is plays plays music has to eventually figure out something thanks to that team so definitely definitely shout out to them all right so Nam is kicking off this week what does reverb reverb have in store for Nam and what other events or activations should we check out there yeah um, so we will be at booth uh five four two zero so uh definitely stop by and check out um some of the gear that's been released and promoted on the site over the past year so things like the jamascus uh pedal that i mentioned before um you can also learn all about vertical video and TikTok from our head of social media at the nam idea center that's on friday at 11. Um, and on Thursday at one, our CMO is moderating a panel on actionable tips to incorporate diversity into your hiring culture and marketing. Um, so that is, you know, I'd consider that one a, a can't miss. And then um, outside of that, you know, I really got to, uh, I really have to plug the the She Rocks Awards. Um, I, you know, have went every year that I've been at NAM and always a really just uh, uplifting event. And this year um, we're going to be presenting an award to uh, British singer songwriter and influencer Mary Spender. Um, so she will uh, she will be there as well. Um, so yeah, those are those are kind of the the keys. Oh my gosh, Heather, we've covered so much. I I just imagine that as you know, we we launch this podcast, people are going to be traveling to Nam listening to it. This is going to get them ready to go. But I can't believe we haven't had you on the show before. We'll definitely have you on again. We got to get you in the mix and keep learning from you. Thank you so much. This has been amazing, Heather Far Edwards with Reverb. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know you can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. 
While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye. You're listening to Music Tectonics.